All right, you're back in the DFSR with an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, that is. James Davis. It's really the Davis-Norrie Lounge today, buddy. We're in the same room today. Indeed. You can hear the sound difference, I'm sure, from the podcast. We're broadcasting the same room, so that's why you're sounding a little On different. location. On location in the Vivid Seats Lounge. That's how we converted We converted the office into the Vivid Seats Lounge. So mm-hmm. if you hear us talking, you hear some maybe some... Kids that are beyond excited to have seen each other, our kids um, kind of screaming in the background. That might be part of the podcast today, too. All good. We're going to roll through week 15 NFL game by game. Tons of stuff this week. Like as you get late in the season, we get, you know, teams with very, we talked about this in the cash game podcast, varying motivations around different teams, injury stuff, guys getting shut down for the season. Teams might be a little, I don't know, they're talking about trading certain guys, which I have always find hilarious. We'll talk about that. But how are you feeling just in the way sort of this week is lining up in terms of feeling comfortable around the cash plays that we talked about yesterday and also just kind of maybe understanding where every team is sort of landing right now on the, I don't want to say motivational scale because I think that's wrong. It's more of like the trusting what the plan is scale. I think that's probably more what it is. Yeah. So I think for cash game purposes, I actually feel pretty good. Uh I think there are enough teams playing for things, enough enough teams with sort of predictable motivations that I think we get there. I will say that there's still plenty of uncertainty outside of that. So tapping into upside for big tournaments, you know, it's going to probably require, you know, more art even than usual. So that's kind of where I'm landing now. Confident for cash games and still the the GPP field seems wide open right now. Yeah, and like I said, and I said at the beginning, there is a lot of injury stuff this week rolling through. I'm going to try to hit on all of it here as we go through. There's a some chance we miss something, um, so me a couple early on that. But I, I think I have a pretty good handle on where all these teams are in terms of guys that are practicing uh, and whatnot, and just you know where things might pivot to if they weren't to play. We'll roll through the games. We'll talk about some of all that stuff as we kind of roll through here. We, and this, by the way, as a reminder, if you're with us for the first time here on this podcast, we simply talk about the main slate, so we're not going to cover the Thursday, Sunday, and Monday games. The Bears go in and play Green Bay. Green Bay five-point home favorites here. They The over-under is 41, so pretty low. Again, we see another week with Green Bay where they, they've they done it all season with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I, I, it's just not going to change at this point. They essentially split snaps. Now, uh, when he plays, Aaron Jones touches the ball a lot more than Williams does. And Jones touched the ball 23 of his 36 snaps last week. And Jamal Williams touched it only eight times of his 26. So it's a clear passing down kind of situation, though seven targets for J- yeah. Jones last week. At what point are we... Are we just never going to get comfortable with the uses? 23 touches is, is a lot. I, I always struggle to bring him to that, anywhere close to that number on a week-to-week basis. But he is pretty damn effective when he does touch the ball uh, against Redskins defense, which isn't terrible last week. Um, the Giants the week before, that was a weather. There was some weather concerns in that Giants game. Um, so whatever you want to make of that. Uh, where do you land here on Jones? We've kind of been out in the cold on him from a cash game perspective most of this year. And... I don't know if it's just too much of a peaks and valley kind of thing. I think that's really it. I mean, he looks to me like the classic big tournament play. I mean, if you look at his last six weeks, here's some, you're like, man, he's had a game with 27 points, 28 points, and 38 fantasy points. And then he had three other games with 3.4, 3.8, and 5.1 fantasy points. So you're really like the absolute apex of 
a hit or miss guy. You go, man, it's all season. Goes back six points against Detroit previous week, 46 points against Dallas. So you really can tap into the upside, especially when the targets are flowing, which, by the way, randomly, sometimes they just don't, too. Yeah. You had a two-game stretch in November where he only had one target across two games. So I don't think you can really consider him for cash games. Uh, but I think for big tournaments, he's he's not – like, if you compare his game log to, say, Derrick Henry's, Aaron Jones' highs are just as high – it's just that it has these absurd lows. So you can save 1300 and get Jones and potentially get the same production. Devontae Adams had the second most targets on the week. They didn't throw a ton last week. They only threw 28 times. That could be the case here against the Bears, too. Yeah. It's a low total. Uh, Adams is a guy we liked for sort of double in that double-digit target range. It didn't come out last week, though you could just make the case it didn't really need to. So I don't know if that ends up becoming sort of a game script thing. Um any quick thoughts on him? I, I'm not sure I have a ton of thoughts here on the Bears in the sense that I have thoughts, but I just don't know if I, this is a place I really want to be on either side of like the... I, I don't know if this is where I want to be really for cash or GBP. Yeah, some people might be tempted by Allen Robinson. He is now on three straight weeks where he's put up pretty respectable fantasy totals. Super touchdown dependent though, and I don't think you want to pay 8000 for a guy just on the basis that he's going to score 1.5 touchdowns because <laughs> uh, that could just not be the case. Uh, Trubisky had a big week last week, too. Uh, you know, it's nice to see him getting out there with a rushing touchdown, but I think, by and large, the Bears are just to skip completely. I don't think I'm going to run Adams out there either, though. Like, 7800 that's cheap compared to what he can do, and it's all well and good that he was coming off five straight weeks with double-digit targets. But one thing about Adams this season is that the targets really haven't been created as equally as they were in the past. You know, he caught four balls which in the past you'd be counting on something like 60 yards. You got 41 yards on those catches. Previous week, just about 10 yards a catch. Week before that, six yards a catch, right? So uh, even getting those 10 to 12 targets out of Adams might only be like getting eight or nine targets out of him in the past. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Taylor Gabriel still not practicing. That has helped boost some of Robinson's uh, target share over the last few weeks. Um, so, uh, But it, does, it looks like he'd be out. Of, he's trending toward being out. New England goes in to play the Bengals. They're ten point road favorites coming off the news that they had illegally illegally. They had against <laughs> against the league rules taped videotaped the Bengals last week. Um, still ten point favorites here, big total, 40 and a half. I you know, they did the old, hey, James White's gonna carry the ball a ton against KC, but that's really not gonna be the plan this week when they play <laughs> last week's game, Rex Burkhead carried the ball seven times, James White carried the ball six times, Sonny Michelle five times in just nine total snaps. Sonny Michel seems like he's just out. He's not. He's barely played. He's played yeah. something like, I think he's played less than 20 snaps over the last two weeks. What I, We talked at length about Edelman yesterday as a cash game play, so we don't need to go back there. I think he's easily the safest guy. He might be the only safe guy on all New England. But other thoughts on a team that just year in and year out, it seems like we just can't. By the way, target share real quick. Last week, Edelman 12, White 7, and then no one with more than four. Like Lacoste, Benjamin yep. Watson, so. I just don't know what to, now I think the running back situation is totally dead and the receiving situation is totally dead outside of Edelman and they're 10 point favorites against a very bad defense who so feels like this would be a spot to kind of target them. Well, I don't think you want to go in this running back direction. Uh, James White, I guess, could be interesting on DraftKings where the targets will give, you know, net you more points than they will on FanDuel. But this is exactly what I brought up last week when we discussed White on the podcast, which is that sometimes it's there and sometimes it's just not. And if you get those 10 targets and nine catches for 65 yards, he's the play of the day. And if you don't, then you're just kind of screwed. He gets you five fantasy points and you have to move on with your life. So I don't know that you really want to put your eggs in the James White basket, especially because I think we might be seeing some other value opening up on the slate anyway. Um, and then actually the Cincinnati side I find to be somewhat interesting too. 
AJ Green still sort of day to day. He's missing practices, and that kind of thing. Tyler Boyd's price is the same as it's always been. Obviously, this New England team has been a really tough matchup all season long, and we've also been happy to play Boyd the last several weeks. You know, last week he didn't get as many targets, but he was still very effective on the targets he did get. And for this Bengals team, they're looking for any port in a storm right now. And so. you and you, we talked about this last night. I mean, not on the podcast, but about how when you just roll through the Patriots' schedule, oh, yeah. that elite defense looks a lot more elite when they're playing the absolute worst teams in football. And when they, they pl- when they play actual good teams like Houston and can't and not okay look Cincinnati's bad too, but the <laughs> um, but the defense. I mean, at what point can we call the defense? I don't want to say overrated, but like the DVA DVOA was so far above everybody else for a while. And it's trending back toward a little bit normal. But, I mean, are we at a point where, like, the New England defense just isn't this, isn't a defense that you can just, uh, you can play some guys against them, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think I think you can certainly call them overrated based on what people were saying earlier this season, basically before the Baltimore game, where this is historic, this is the best defense ever. I think we can pretty safely say that it's just not. Uh, now that they're actually up against competent teams with real quarterbacks, it's gone back down to earth. That being said, I think... They have demonstrated a real skill to prevent touchdowns from terrible offenses. Yeah. And Cincinnati is most assuredly that. So I don't think I would want to start my week with Boyd uh, locked in there. But again, in terms of interesting big tournament targets, why not? In the old, um, we don't do, we're not a conventional team. The last week, the Bengals are getting killed by the Browns, lose by, you know, two scores. And Joe Mixon still touched the ball 23 times on the ground and yeah. seven, and had four targets, so 27 touches. He had 140, he had 186 total yards and a touchdown last week. Um, we talked about this for multiple weeks about how they just sort of said, I know we're getting killed. These are all losses, by the way. His, car- <laughs> his carries over the last five, oh, no, he, they won one of these games. His carries over the last five weeks since he basically came back, 30, 15, 18, 19, 23. Four of those games were losses. I, I, and many of them were huge losses as well. That's what I mean. The Baltimore game, they lost by like 30. So I just don't, like, he's the one guy that I just can't have trouble. You could give him 21 carries, I think, and be feel. I think our system will probably ding him enough on the totals here, but I don't know. Where does he land on? Is he like, uh, what do you think about Joe Mixon? It's so weird. We never see this. this. You do not see this from running backs. Like, this is just not what happens with bad teams and running backs, and yet here we are with Joe Mixon. Yeah, it's interesting. So on a process level, our system will look at a team and try to forecast a game script and try to then divvy up runs and passes accordingly. And without getting into the complicated math there, basically it's going to look and say, a team is a 10-point underdog, you're not going to take a running back because how often are they going to be able to run the ball? Cincinnati does sort of fly in the face of that. So we might need to kind of artificially you know, manufacture that multiplier up a little bit for them. And that being said, it still just feels like you're taking an unnecessary risk. I mean, he's got a reasonably high floor in this stretch, but there was like that Pittsburgh game where he scored eight fantasy points. I don't know. It seems like we can probably do better in cash games and in that fun big tournament target. Yeah, sure. Um, Tennessee is going to host Houston here. Houston coming off. It's so weird. Football's funny. Huge win against the Patriots. And then they just go out and get a boat raced by the Broncos. And so and Deshaun, <laughs> Deshaun Watson kind of made, we talked about this, but Deshaun Watson sort of makes it up in garbage time, which was the whole second half uh, from a fantasy perspective. Now, they go. this game started at 48.5 over-under, bet all the way up to 51 with on equal sides, by the way. It's Tennessee minus three. Well, that's a, the, I mean, the reason I'm kind of mentioning this as like uh, with a sort of like eyebrows raise is because that is a ton of points to tack on to an opening total. Um, that just You just don't see really lines trend that much unless it's going with weather or unless 
again, like Vegas made some kind of, or off, the offshore made some kind of mistake on the open. So this game is up to 51. This is, I believe, the highest total of the week, um, which is, again, I, Tennessee and Houston. If you knew this was going to be the highest total game of a week uh, at the beginning of the season, you'd think that the rest of the teams <laughs> that we're all just kind of saying that to themselves, the, the playoffs are assured and we're all just going to take the week off. And yet, I just don't know from a from a cash perspective, like what I really want to do here. Tennessee, Tannehill does not seem to have the passing volume, though this game suggests that that won't be the case. Derrick Henry, we've talked about, he was very close for us in cash last week and we didn't do it. Um, but we talked about, we've talked about the reasons why, um, just no passing stuff. AJ Brown, I think is a guy people are going to probably talk, to, talk themselves into. And I guess I'm just saying, like I'm looking at our cash games and seeing not any names from this game, and yet we're looking at a 51 total and not outrageous prices on some of these guys either. Give me your thoughts on, we can start on, let's start on the Tennessee. Give me the Tennessee side. Give me your thoughts on the Titans. Well, yeah, I think you can't touch the passing game. A.J. Brown, he actually did see some play last week, which I found infuriating since he was coming off a four-target week, but he scored multiple touchdowns, huge explosive downfield threat. I think there's great reason to play him in big tournaments. I don't think you can touch him in cash. I think... Why, though? Just because of the volume? Yeah, just yeah. That you can get four targets. Yeah. I mean, that, like when things are going well in Tennessee, A.J. Brown is not going to be a part of the plan for seven to ten touches a game. Like, that's just not not going to be built in. Uh, Derrick Henry now, 9400 Doug. I mean, that's a really, really expensive price. And some injury stuff. Uh, and some injury stuff, yep. So it could be Deion Lewis this week. And again, I've never root for injury, but for my DFSR Chatters League that we're playing with this year... I, I picked up Deion Lewis right out from under my opponent, who has Derrick Henry. So sneaky snake on the off chance that yeah. Derrick Henry wants to take a rest, you know, build up for these playoffs. Friendships have been lost on less than on, on, on more than that. I would say. I guess you know. I lost a friendship with a guy that I went to college with. He was my little brother in my fraternity, uh-huh. and he thought I was going against the spirit of the league by streaming pitchers in the playoffs, <laughs> and never talked to me again. <laughs> and look what you do. And look what you do for a living now. So I don't know. I feel like it worked yeah, out. Yeah, suck it, Ben. If you're out there, just kidding, buddy. Uh, yeah, so Derrick Henry, I'm not going to pay 9400 for him. I think I'm just ready. Like, the floor has absolutely been there. The ceiling has been there as well in the last five weeks. I just can't count on this guy for two touchdowns a week. Just nobody scores this many touchdowns. And if he doesn't score two touchdowns a week, like, he just doesn't do it in the same... So, let me put it differently. We've seen what really big $9,000-plus running backs look like in the past. They've always looked like Christian McCaffrey this year, or Le'Veon Bell in the past, or even Todd Gurley, where you're getting mid-20s touches or more, and you're catching balls out of the backfield, and you're getting you know around those 150 yards combined. Henry's getting 150 yards a game on the ground. Nobody does that. And he could be the first since we've started this business, or it could have been a lucky four weeks, and I'm going to lean into a lucky four weeks. I think I, yeah, I landed. This is why we've talked about this multiple weeks. We've said, we said, this is why, and I went on another podcast. I was actually, uh, was on the Fantasy Pros podcast last weekend and talked about this exact same thing. And they said they've had other, because they'll always have a DFS guest each week. And so they had Joe Holka and they mentioned somebody else. I can't remember who, but they said. Matthew Berry. No, it wasn't Matthew Berry. It was, yeah, (laughs) he's a season long, but um, the, and they had mentioned that all these guys each week had said the same. They, you know, these DFS guys had all basically said the same thing about Derrick Henry. So I felt, first of all, I felt validated in that way to say that, like there's other other minds in the industry are wrapping their head around this guy sort of in the same way. Sure. And like I said, it was kind of still close for us last week just on a price thing. Anyway, let's talk about the Houston side. The big news here that we're probably waiting on is Will Fuller. He was mm-hmm. sort of a surprise out last week with an ankle injury. He is, I believe, practicing in a limited fashion. 
We played Hopkins in the second Fuller came out. We played Hopkins and Cash. Kenny Stills, too. I would not go back this direction again. I'm over Kenny Stills just doing nothing when he's the only guy on the, on the field. But how does Hopkins – like, is Hopkins simply a Will Fuller or – like, Will Fuller doesn't play. It's all Hopkins. And if Will Fuller does play, we really can't play Hopkins as the price. I'm trying, I'm trying to simplify the process here around Hopkins. I know it's more than that with math and, like, you know, the actual targets. But is – or is it just as easy as that, maybe? Yeah, I think it's a, it's close to as easy as that. Um, you can just go check out the targets in the last several weeks. Uh, when Fuller was super active against Indy, the targets went down. In other weeks, Hopkins has been around that double-digit target guy. And if you can get double-digit targets out of him, we know he's an $8,600 wide receiver. And I think the Houston passing game in general looks pretty attractive here against a Tennessee team that is sort of a, a Tampa Bay light in terms of being great against the run and not as great against the pass. So... You know, and especially now that Tennessee is airing the ball out a little bit more, that they're more comfortable with their quarterback play. They're allowing more opponent possessions now than they were earlier in the season. I think you can certainly run a quarterback-wide receiver combo into them. The question for cash games is, you know, you only have to play one quarterback, and you're not going to be able to play more than two other guys at that $8,500 and up price tag. And, and I don't know if they're, they are the exact two guys that you want of all of the players in the NFL this week. Tannehill's had huge weeks, um, 27 points, 13, 32, 19, 23. Yeah, but, the, but the passing volume, the attempts, 27, 22, 18, 19. Uh, crazy. And then 30, hit a huge one against 39. If you think this is a volume passing week, the guy's been very good. You just cannot get there on these prices on 25-ish passing attempts. It just doesn't happen. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I think people will talk themselves into. And obviously, if Derrick Henry's out, Deion Lewis instantly becomes the Bilal Powell of last week, but better. Um, so he would be instantly the most chalk play across the industry. So that's yeah. that one's a very clear binary. Let's take a quick break, talk about the CBS Sports HQ app. This app is like, okay, so the first, the starting piece on the Sports HQ app is it's free, okay? So usually you hear these these reads or someone wants you to download an app and there's going to be in-app purchases and all this other stuff associated with sort of getting by um, or how that place is going to make their money, not CBS Sports HQ. So it's a totally free app. And if you're looking to follow games or get insider information, videos, sort of an a la carte experience when it comes to just following sports, CBS Sports HQ just sets you up perfectly for that. You can just interact with the games that you want to see highlights for or previews for. So you're not wading through a studio show where you hope they hit on your topic. You just go to the game you want to hear about or watch about. And then that's going to be the one you just do. Betting information all over this thing as well. Like I said, totally free. A la carte experience when it comes to sports. It's really about the best app you can do to catch up or preview games. So go download the CBS Sports HQ app. Totally free. That's it. That's the that's the call to action. Download the CBS Sports HQ app. You will not be disappointed. I guarantee you'll be the only app that you use to kind of follow sports going forward. All right. Denver goes in and plays KC. Denver coming off, obviously, that win against Houston last week where they looked every bit of competent. Drew Locke and they Drew just Locke. they they just took absolutely took it to Houston early. It was mm-hmm. it's one of those ones where you, I've had this has been an interesting thing this year, trying to evaluate backup quarterbacks in the in the league and just sort of like, you know, defenses against them. We've had a lot of examples and sometimes it's a, it's a, you know, first game out is kind of when your adrenaline's pumping and it looks, you look pretty good. Like you get the David Blau, like he looks totally competent on Thanksgiving and then just totally incompetent when a team has had a week to look at him or he's has a week to think about the plays more maybe or so. I'm not sure exactly what it is. And then, and then you get some guys like Kyle Allen who kind of just stick around. I don't know. Drew Locke, how do you evaluate, I guess we'll start there, I'm going to talk about the, the line movement here a little bit, but how do you evaluate a quarterback we have a very limited sample size on, and the guy 
22 for 27 for 300 yards last week, basically kind of all in the first half, by the way, too. He just um, really right. stepped on the gas. What do we do with quarterbacks with very limited sample sizes here? Very low total, but Casey has shown the propensity to let up teams allow points more on the ground. What are your thoughts on this game? Uh, let's start just on the Denver side, then I'll talk about the line moving a little. Well, yeah, I think you start by looking at the price on Locke, and he's just not cheap on Fanduel. He's seventy four hundred. Uh, Dak is four hundred more than him. Baker's three hundred more. Uh, even guys like Carson Wentz against Washington. Matt Ryan's seventy six hundred. I don't think you're going to touch uh, Kyler Murray is seventy six hundred. I don't think you're going to touch Drew Locke anywhere near cash games at that price. I mean. We'd be talking about it at 6000 or something, but I think for our purposes, for just trying to find one quarterback, he's definitely not going to be the one. Um, I think we have plenty of time to wait and see what kind of quarterback he's going to develop into, and if we use all other young quarterbacks as a metric going backwards, uh, it's easy to look great for a game or two. Much more difficult is when teams that are playing for things uh, with things on the line, like Kansas City has here, you know, just walking into into Kansas City and Arrowhead and being like, all right, here comes 350 more yards and three touchdowns. I, I don't see that to be the case. So I wouldn't go anywhere near it. I mean, Denver, they're probably a better 5-8 and eight team than many 5-8 and eight teams are, but they're still not a prolific offense. And one week, to the contrary, isn't going to change my projections on them. One thing I do want to kind of focus in on sometimes is wide receivers in new situations. Wide receivers, new quarterbacks. Cortland Sutton, they only threw the ball 27 times, but he saw 25% of the target share mm-hmm. last week. That is a meaningful stat when you're looking to project just wide receiver. Like, because we've seen just time and time again, quarterbacks just. They, they have their guys sometimes. And Cortland Sutton's a guy you can have. He's a, very, he's a good wide receiver. Yeah. He's just struggled to have no good quarterbacks with him for a little while here. So find that one interesting. Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman are continue on the snap count uh, split, except that Philip Lindsay, when he's on the field, you can at least trust that he's going to touch. It's sort of like the Aaron Jones thing. 31 touches, 31 snaps last week, 18 touches in those, uh, whereas Royce Freeman, 27 snaps. Uh, with only ten touches, so it's very much it's almost the exact thing that is happening with Green Bay with Aaron Jones and um, Jamal Williams, really almost to the number. Um, but um, and then that just leaves you, I think, sort of out in the cold from a cash game now, cash game perspective. But plenty of GPP upside because he actually has the ability to he'll he'll get touchdowns at times and. You can run the ball against KC. Yeah, I haven't rostered a single Bronco all season, and I don't expect that to change this week. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> no, but I will. Say, so the interesting thing here is this game started as a minus twelve uh, with a forty-seven over under. It's down to minus ten. All the points came off the KC side though, mm-hmm. and so I think that's specifically related. Really, the only time you see movement on one side of a team. Um, this is like too, probably too much of a blanket statement, but very often in the NFL, when you see movement on one side. Both sides, it's a weather thing where we just screwed up like sort of the metric to start, right? If it's one side, it's usually quarterback related. And there is injury concern around Mahomes and this hand issue. And I and I, I without knowing the exact reason why this happened, this minus 12 to minus 10 screams of people are a little bit more worried about the hand injury than either Casey's letting on or it's enough to be concerned. Does that make sense? Like am I looking it at does, a, am yeah. I looking at a number and just translating a narrative onto it? I, I don't want to do that, but Again, like this, staring at these lines all season long or all years and years of worth of this, you just kind of get a sense of like why things move. And this is just the kind of thing that makes a line move. Yeah. So in the case of Mahomes, uh, there was swelling in that hand. That is not a good sign. You know, swelling is... They started running different plays because of the hands. Very, very bad. And the note on him right now, though, is that he did practice in full on Wednesday, went through his normal set of reps, that the swelling had settled down. And I think that like if you're playing Mahomes like I am in season long in your playoffs... 
then you can probably count on him. I think you're right that that is why the line has moved a little bit. And I think it's probably reason enough to stay away from the Chiefs for cash games. I mean, for starters, all these guys are just expensive anyway. Like, Kelsey is the most expensive tight end right now. Uh, Tyreek Hill is still around 8000 in spite of being nowhere near worth that. Really, ever. And, right. I mean, he had two good games in the middle of November. Before that, you have to go back to, like, the first game of the season. So I think you can pretty safely stay away from him. And as always, the Chiefs are all in play for big tournaments because if Mahomes just decides it's one guy's day or he sees a matchup he likes, you could see Kelsey score 30 fantasy points. It's just that you don't want to be there for cash games with the other options we have available to us. Yep, um, I think I pretty much agree there. The running back situation is a full-blown mess. Uh, Damon Williams, I think, is practicing. LaShawn McCoy, they brought in Spencer Ware last week probably because he just still lives in the KC area, and that was just <laughs> the easiest guy to bring in because the guy was like, Spencer Ware, just, I feel like he's been a chief since... DFS started, um, but also just like never really played all that much. So got the Spencer Ware thing. I don't think, but I think the running back situation is really not something uh, that you can trust at all. So keep an eye out on the injury stuff over the course of the week with Mahomes. Really offers probably more of a betting thing than anything else. Um, if you feel like you have, if you feel like the injury is actually worse than it is, you, I think there's more value in the betting side of this uh, than, or it goes the other way. If you think he's totally healthy, then there is in the DFS side. Dolphins go in to play the Giants. Uh, Giants are three-and-a-half-point home favorites great against game. the Dolphins. It is kind of a good game from a fantasy perspective. <laughs> uh, this is like where we get the end this of the season. be a great game. We get the end of the season, and it's... I guess I'll do the vivid seats read after this one because we can talk about what the, what the prices oh, are. we could go watch this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Giants three-and-a-half-point home favorites. Eli Manning starts... Has like a little turn back the clock moment against the Eagles last week. They ultimately don't. Little turn back little the clock. Little bit. I said a little. I was just got it by saying little. My dad would watch the game. My dad very excited about this game. It was like their, yeah, I guess their Super Bowl. Um, but then you get like Saquon Barkley still is touching the ball a lot. The Dolphins are a team that we have wanted to stack players against this season to pretty good success. This is a team is still very bad on defense. What do we do with the Giants here? Barkley last week, um, I'll bring it up real quick. Barkley last week had, yeah, 17 carries for 66 yards and four targets. So 21 total touches. The price on him has come down a little bit because of just, he's been, he's been bad. Um, the price should come down. He's just, be, it's 8,300 though. This is not that expensive for a guy who we could see touch the ball 25 times. Because again, that, that Eagles game had a couple factors. One, it was, the weather was terrible. Uh, it was pouring rain that night. Um, so the, the field was bad and it was just tough to get things going on offense. Do you think, uh, I'll put, let me put it this way, I'm going along with this. If we walked into this week and Saquon Barkley was 60% owned in cash mm. and we didn't have him, how, what would be your feeling? I guess that's the way I want to kind of maybe like bring, this, bring my long talk about the Giants around. I'd be concerned. Uh, I think that would be a little bit scary to me. And we have profitably faded him in every week, <laughs> basically, yeah. uh, in, from November on. Because what we saw in that first game was all of the discussion around, he looks fine, man. He's cutting, he's dancing, he's juking, he's jiving. And then we watched that first game against Dallas, and you and I had the both, or both had the same, or no, that wasn't the first game. We watched that Dallas game, and we had the same reaction, which was like, this guy's not fine. <laughs> he's running for two yards to carry. And then if, you're, if you if you talk yourself out of it, you can see the Jets game where he carries the ball 13 times for one. He got that single yard, <laughs> yeah. which is about what you would expect if I was the running back on the Giants. Um 
And so, but it's ticked back over the last two weeks. Three and a half yards of rushing. That's not great. And then four point four. But then four point four against the Eagles last week. Like, He's still not getting the targets he was when he was Saquon Barkley in capital letters, as some would say. Uh, he's getting, last week, three catches for a yard. I don't know that the offense is just able to support him right now. I don't think the offensive line can really support him. It's a phenomenal matchup with Miami. I would be scared if other people had him, and we didn't. And I'm just trying to explain why he's not an automatic play for us at an $8,300 price tag. So he's in the group of guys I could consider for cash games. But I think there are more question marks than you might think. Yeah, this one just, like I said, simply comes down to how bad do you think Miami's defense is, I think. Like, in their home favorite. Again, they're all, also, we like to be here, home favorites. We like to um, have that piece in our, three and a half is not an overwhelming home favorite, but it's something. So, I don't know, this Giants one is a weird one to me. I don't want to trust, Darius Slayton had a huge game last week. Maybe you want to target, Miami's been bad against the pass too. The equal opportunity bad here, so. Darius Slayton had a huge game. Um, I think the receivers at Golden Tate is, I believe, practicing this week. So this one is a sort of a situation where I want to have, I want to know the full health around all the Giants wide receivers. Although, like I said, good sign for Slayton to at least look like the main target for Eli Manning. Um, He just might be, he's not their best receiver, but he had eight, he had five catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns last week. So Interesting, it could, mostly if you think you can target against the Dolphins. On the Dolphins side, injury information here, Devontae Parker's in the concussion protocol. I'm mentioning him because if he was fully healthy, I think he'd be almost a yeah. lock for cash games against the Giants defense that really lets it up. And then Patrick Laird is a guy that's right now kind of just showing up in all of our cash games at his current price point. And I just, I do, I, we talked briefly about it yesterday, but could you, we see, could we see a possibility if Parker was back? Could we see a Dolphins stack in cash like Patrick Laird, <laughs> Devontae Parker? I, by the way, I think there's going to be some value here if Parker's out because um, they, and there was some Hearn stuff. Like there's, well, Hearns, I, I may or may not play. Isaiah Ford had nine targets last yeah. week, caught six balls for 92 yards. He's not the minimum, but he's very, very cheap. And I think he would probably be prominently. And involved. Fitzpatrick has had the ability. He's a real to just, quarterback. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Make receivers. I saw someone tweet about this the other day. It was like, Fitzpatrick just gets receivers paid. Like, he just does this. Like, he's just able to make border, like maybe borderline receivers into guys. So, I don't know. Maybe we are just looking at a situation. This is what I get. The receiver piece, I think, is something we're going to need to have full information on. And it's a very much in or out situation. If it's, I don't, if Parker's in, I think we can actually, and full health, which usually that's the case with concussion protocol, that you just passed everything and you are fully healthy. I think we can actually play him in cash. Um, if he's out, and then if the Hearns piece doesn't kind of like work out or he's out too, I think we are looking at a situation where, or if Hearns plays, he might be a guy too. Like, so I think this is one we'll, this one we'll get into in our members only chat leading to Sunday once we have a little bit more information. And we did talk about Patrick Laird. It's just a cash play. The fact that he gets receiving targets is the thing that really boosts his floor. Let's talk real quick. I mentioned the Vivid Seats app. If you were buying the late season football, buddy, if you want deals on games, this could be the time to look into going to a football game. If you're a Giants fan, uh, go on the Vivid Seats app right now. Yeah, it's, it's actually really awesome. So I've first of all, if you just want to go to the game, you want to bring your kid for their first game, you can get seats in the upper level for $26 a ticket. Okay. That seems like a good price. Right. And if you just want the experience of a lifetime, Doug, you want to be down in the seventh row at the 50-yard line, $200 a ticket. That seems pretty solid. Yeah, so. and so and and when you down when you go to Vivid Seats, but we're all looking at it right now on Vivid Seats. If you go to Vivid Seats, it's going to show you the exact picture of where you're going to sit, um, minus the player standing on the sidelines, which I believe what the picture I'm looking at, you'll be able to see over them. These are the two hundred dollars ones yeah, on yeah. Vivid Seats. You sign up for the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code Overtime. That's just like the podcast network we're on. O v e r t i m e. 
It's gonna give you up to $100 back on your first ticket purchase. It's also gonna roll you into the rewards program. It makes buying and selling tickets super easy. Like I said, we did this, we, we just looked this up I while- pulled this up while you were Yeah, well, we pulled this up while we were just kind of doing the break. That's called multitasking. So Vivid Seats app, <laughs> use the promo code overtime. Late season NFL, one of the best times to get on going to these games. And like James said, you take your kids. Your kids aren't going to know the difference between good football and bad football. And they'll just enjoy the experience. Yeah, people shouting, people swearing at them, maybe dump a beer on you if you're rooting for the Dolphins. <laughs> Leave that part out of the <laughs> uh, Vivid Seats has nothing to do with that piece of it. Nothing to do with the experience, only with the actual seat you sit in. It's Vivid Seats app. Go download it. Use the promo code OVERTIME. You'll love it. Eagles go in and play the Redskins. Eagles four and a half point road favorites. Uh, coming off the overtime win against the Giants. Which huge really, win. Yeah, huge win, actually, for the Eagles. They needed that win. Still in the hunt here for the NFC East, which is just um, a race to the bottom, but whatever. <laughs> you still get into the playoffs when it's all said and done. One of these two teams, between them and Dallas. Four and a half, like I said, four and a half point road favorites. They have no skill position guys left at this point. Uh, Alshon out. Deshaun Jackson's been out. Nelson Aguilar does not look like he's going to play. They're rolling guys like Greg Ward, ex-college quarterback, J.J. Uh, Arcea Whiteside. Um, then they actually got Boston Scott some touches last week just because, again, they were just sort of out of guys. Miles Sanders, they it looks to me like they want to get him the ball a ton, touch the ball 20 times in his 50 snaps, though Boston Scott was in on a lot yeah, of plays. he had 16 touches too. In 39, had, and both of them had 10 combined receiving targets. Are we just looking at the Eagles' offense here I know, and then we have obviously Zach Ertz with the 13 targets, um, and I just we talked about him as a cash game play here. How do we want to attack the Eagles' offense here? Because Redskins' defense actually isn't terrible, but this is, I think, still a DFS spot for a lot of these guys. Yeah, Boston Scott is an interesting cash game option for me. Doug, 4,700 on FanDuel. Guy touched the ball 16 times. He was super effective on the ground, which is something Miles Sanders can't really say. So far this season, Scott averaged 5.9 yards a carry, and he averaged over 10 yards of reception, too. So uh, they might have found something here. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they went back to him. The Eagles have been really hungry for anything that works outside of just giving the ball to Zach Ertz. So, yeah, I think there's some definitely some interesting stuff kicking around on the Eagles' side. And I'll say shout-out to the Redskins' defense. Uh, the Redskins' defense Rolled still... them everywhere in cash <laughs> last week. They were so cheap, and they got the job. It was looking they got real... two and a half X on the price. Go, go find me the... Teams that do that reliably. You want to pay 5000 for a defense? They need to score you 12.5 points. And I'll give it to them, too. That Redskins defense, they got down early in that game. The Green Bay came down in the first drive, scored a touchdown, and, and Redskins, and they know who their quarterback and who their offense is, and they, they, they stay on the sidelines and have to watch these guys, so they know they're never going to get much out of that side of the <laughs> ball. And they still kept after Rodgers the whole game. Like, they, they weren't ever really in the game, but that Redskins defense... I got you paid. They get they get sacks. They create turnovers. I was writing them up for the cash game article this week, and some stuff that like you just might not totally gather because you're like, oh, the Redskins—they're a joke. Seventh in sacks this year, ninth in interceptions, and fourth in forced fumbles. Like that's that's just great. And by the way, this this is exactly why this is exactly why you need to have a a projection system that you trust and not just use your blind naked eye to try to figure out who some of these defenses are because this is one. I hate to like heart make the whole podcast about the Redskins D on a victory lap sort of thing here because our last our lineups weren't all that great in some spots. So I'm just going to say that piece of it too. Sure. But the defense piece is so variable and our system knows about the sacks and the, the propensity for other teams to give up sacks. It knows all this stuff just sort of intuitively by the numbers. It's not like a machine or anything, but it's like it, it understands just sort of the numbers for every team and where this lands. And when I look at a $1,700 price tag on DraftKings, it says right. at this point, with around the, it's very thin difference between these defenses on a week to week basis because it's so touchdown dependent and all this other stuff. 
that at some point you just say, yeah, I get that they're underdogs here against a, a good offense, but there's just things that can happen in a game that can make it so you come out on the positive here. So Yeah, um, no, I'm with that. And I think the other defense we didn't mention was the Chiefs. The Chiefs lead the league in sacks. They've got Denver and Drew Locke. So yeah, that's I that's suspect many people up. are going to go in that direction, and that's totally understandable too. But the big thing about defense, I, I've talked about this many, many times in the articles. I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast as often because we don't belabor the point at the least important position with the smallest difference between the options. But the biggest thing I think we've taken away from this season is that it's so rarely correct to pay up at defense unless you just have this abundance of punts elsewhere where you just can't get away from it. You know, like those weeks where you have 900 left over or whatever, like those are the weeks where you can pay up at defense. You never want to start by being like, all right, I'm going to take the Pats D against Cincinnati. Let's see what else I can fit in here. Just because you won't get a good multiplier on. And there's too many things that go wrong late game and stuff like this too, like garbage time. And like there's there's, there's ways to yeah, lose Yeah, talk points. to the people right who, who were against Deshaun Watson last week. We were like, I right. did it in the first half. And then you're like, oh, never mind. My defense scored two points. Darius, for the Washington side, real quick, Darius Geis is out for the rest of the season. He had yeah. just was starting to look like it was kind of, he, he broke off a, the long run and then instantly got hurt. He was five for 42. Anyway, the point I'm re- making here is Adrian Peterson yeah, did touch the, the timeless Adrian Peterson did carry the ball 20 times for a touchdown last week. Uh, this offense is bad. Haskins is bad. Um, it's just tough to trust what they're going to do here. Chris Thompson at eight targets. Uh, Terry McLaurin, who made an unbelievable catch for his touchdown, really still is going to have conversion issues. So uh, I don't know. I guess, look, you want to take a flyer and some multiple Adrian Peterson touchdowns. That's what you're going to need to have happen because he's not really factored into the passing game, especially with Chris Thompson there. So uh, that's really the injury news and notes to keep an eye on. The Tampa Bay-Detroit game, we talked at length about this yesterday, so I don't think we need to go too far into the Tampa Bay side. If you want our thoughts on the Bucks, then just go back and listen to yesterday's Cash Podcast. But it basically boils down to no Mike Evans means all the receivers um, yeah, so Godwin, Justin Watson. The one weird thing about this situation, though, is Scott Miller, who has been out for a few weeks and was playing snaps, is going. it looks like he's going to play. And so this is one I think we're going to have to try to evaluate on Sunday, that if Scott Miller, who was not a nobody, <laughs> like I guess is my point, like Justin Watson has barely touched the field because sure. Scott Miller was around, right? Because yeah. these other they, he was essentially their fourth wide receiver. If he were back... I think we would probably have to slightly reevaluate. Mm-hmm. Not Godwin. That's that one's fine. Godwin's a lock. Um, but I would probably have to begin slightly evaluating the Justin Washington Bashad Perryman situation yep. because I just would be unclear about that. So that's that's gonna be a, a discussion for Sunday. Uh, and then the run game, just go, go try to figure out who's gonna get the touches. I it's a week to week kind of difficulty with Peyton Barber and uh, Ronald Jones and who's gonna get the touchdowns and blah blah blah. Detroit Marvin Jones on the IR for the rest of the season. Uh, that they but they still have David Blau as their quarterback, so I'm not really sure what that means here. Kenny Galladay, I think we can look at his targets and feel safe about them, though not really. Then we have Danny Amendola, obviously, and then a tight end situation without TJ Hawkinson that is not totally clear. Any quick thoughts here on Detroit, who, by the way, for having David Blau as their quarterback, a 21.5 point total for them is not bad, uh, considering some of their prices. That's like Again, it's not like it's not the Chiefs, but they also aren't priced like the it's Chiefs. Not the Chiefs no, no, the, but but usually this is a team that typically falls in that 17, 18 right. implied total range, and now they're 21 and a half. Give me your thoughts. Any thoughts here on Detroit? Yeah, they should have plenty of possessions to try at the very least. And Galladay is just kind of expensive, right? 7,900 on FanDuel. That's not where you want to be in that price range. You know, it's just a little bit cheaper than Godwin, for instance. You're just not going to do it. Uh, you know, the obvious caveat that anyone could be in play for big tournaments. Still applies there, though. Uh, Danny Amendola, back-to-back weeks with eight targets. Hasn't been very effective. 
on those targets, averaging 33 yards. I don't know that it's a cash game play. I think you probably have better options. And he's on my radar. I think eight targets for a guy who's as cheap as you're going to find a wide receiver is still a very good value. So uh, if some people played him in cash, I wouldn't disparage them for it. I don't know that it's my cup of tea, though. All right. Seattle goes in and plays the Panthers. Seattle starters, five and a half point road favorites, up to six right now. And the big piece here that I think well, we talked about Russell Wilson as a possible cash game play yesterday. So I'm not, we don't go back and listen to all our thoughts there. We're, we kind of, we were not in lockstep about that one. So um, I, I kind of was a little higher on Wilson than I think you were. If I'm just trying to sum that up. Either way, I think it's close with him. And then we get Rashad Penny's out for the season with a torn ACL. Last week, Chris Carson's touches were down, but they were also down really early. They were down yeah. 21-3 at halftime. So that's not just going to lend itself. It's just not going to lend itself to yeah, like high a, volume, high volume, just sort of like running. So that's I, this piece is I, you know pretty obvious. But the key stats for him, I believe, are 55 of the 67 offensive snaps. Okay, so it was just there was no real. C.J. Procise was not like the Rashad Penny replacement. Like they had been kind of playing Penny a little bit more. It doesn't seem like even in passing downs, by the way, like C.J. Procise wasn't there a ton. It was Chris Carson on the field. And now they're home, they're road favorites. And even road favorites is where we like to be. Just favorites are where we like to be on running backs. And they've given this guy at times a lot of volume. Like they touch the ball. He can touch, he can carry the ball 25 times, even with the, the fumble issues. Uh, 25 is probably high. Uh, let's say 20 plus times. What do we want to do with Chris Carson? Like, was Chris Carson a cash omission for us? Or he he's one I find interesting, and I'm kind of wondering your thoughts on it, because I think sometimes we differ about this kind of opportunity. No, probably he was an omission, especially going up against Carolina. They're dead last in the league in DBOA against the Rush this year at 18.2%. The difference between them and the second worst team, which is Jacksonville, is the difference between the second worst team and the sixth worst. So it's a pretty significant drop-off once you get down to Carolina. Uh, given that they've been so terrible against the run, and the fact that Carson touched the ball so often in a game that really didn't favor running back opportunity last week, I think he probably is a very solid play. I mean, Seattle right now, you know, they had that five-game winning streak snapped. This playoff race in the NFC is still very, very interesting. I mean, there are a lot of potentially live outcomes here where... Seattle, I think, is still in the running. Yeah, Seattle's still in the running for the one seed, right? So it like it's different between getting like the one seed, winning that division, or having to host a playoff game, or even maybe go in the road on a playoff game. Like there's so many things that can happen. So they're gonna be going absolutely all out. And I think Carson makes a lot of sense in that. Context. Well, you know what I'm gonna say here, because with one of the highest totals on the day at 27.25. Mm-hmm. Could we just look at ourselves and say Wilson Carson's cash stack? And then you get the whole and you get Seattle the whole offense. Seattle offense. <laughs> yeah, lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, 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 I'm making, I'm tongue in cheek about this a little bit, but I also am saying that this is the this is a, a pretty clear concentration of their production around these two guys on a team that has a very high total. Like I wouldn't say the same thing about the Rams. Like I wouldn't say oh Golf plus Gurley, right? Like that. I'm trying to think of these other high totals. And by the way, it's all relative to price too. So like I wouldn't say Dak and Zeke in the same sentence because I think it's relative to price, and I don't think you're getting the same sort of floor on Zeke that you are at Carson at the same price. So I am, this is born out of something else besides just saying, I like these two dudes on a team for a lot of points. It has, there's a price consideration here right. as well. Um, and I think there's a huge touchdown equity consideration also. Like yeah. I, um, does that sound crazy to you? Like I, it's not only because it's not something we discussed yesterday and we might, this might be something we discussed going into Sunday. It's not outrageous, but the, the part, the part where that plan sort of falls apart sometimes is you're like, 
oh, I'll play both. I'll get the whole team's offense. But the problem is if Carson is 80% owned in cash and Wilson is 4% owned, yeah, yeah. then you just get screwed if Carson gets all the production. So I don't know that that logic is perfect for cash games. And I think both in a vacuum are solid plays. So I wouldn't run screaming from lineups that contained both of those. Um, I would be more exciting, more excited to play Carson than Wilson. All right. Uh, we did talk about the CJ, uh, CJ McCaffrey, the CJ process in my mind. Christian McCaffrey yesterday on the, the podcast. I'm not sure as we get down, we, we were talking about him as a cash game play. I'm still very high on him because I think that that game, he was decent last week and that game had a chance for him to be actually really good. If you just kind of yeah. a few other little breaks. Stumble over the goal line. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, so I think that he's actually still a fine play at these prices and there are a lot of very good running backs this week to play and I think that might be the only reason that Christian McCaffrey isn't just a lock cash game play because again his 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 opportunity is a lock like this guy's opportunity is better than anybody else's opportunity is not even close especially when you factor in the passing stuff and there might just be enough other guys here that have sort of every down back quality to themselves in good matchups that we might that might be the reason to maybe not be fully on the Christian McCaffrey chain Greg Olson looks like he's getting healthier. I think him coming back, well, that would be the end of Thomas at tight end. So for you can, of can write that one off if Olsen was back. Probably dings. The fact that Thomas was actually good in a pass-catching role might actually ding the other guys as well. Mm-hmm. Like DJ Moore is a guy that's kind of close. The targets weren't really there. He's more of a fan to play. So. The price has gone up too on Moore. Yeah, so I'm not sure I want to... No one's been in the DJ Moore fan club. i probably lead Literally. Them. Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, I think I'm probably in the president at this point. I'm the facto president of the DJ Moore fan club. And I'm just not sure... This is the week. Uh, I'm going to go back to it. Still not 16 handle points last week. It wasn't terrible. Um, that was two weeks ago. Last week he had 10. Oh, I'm misreading. Okay, well, whatever. Yeah. Strike that from the record. All right, let's move on to the Jacksonville-Oakland game. Oakland six-and-a-half-point favorites. Josh Jacobs doesn't want to hear about your fantasy team. It's unclear if he's going to play. His MRI came back negative, so that's a good sign. But it's still not a clear thing that he's going to play. What do we do? This is a four o'clock game. This might be another game time decision, by the way. Like he right. was right up to the gun last week in terms of whether he was going to play. It was he was not ruled inactive till after it was like three forty five. Yeah, it was very late, very very late on this news, and yet they're six and a half point home favorites against the the Jags, which we've talked about. This is running second game. worst rush defense in the league and yeah. running back zone, right? Like DeAndre Washington is he just the cash game play if Jacobs is out? Sixty three hundred is not cheap on him, but. I don't know what he have twenty touches last week. He like he yeah. was he was just a good running back. So where does he land in this group of like sort of value guys when we're talking about it? Because now we might be like we might be looking at a list of like seven running backs we we could probably make a strong case for in cash. Where does De- DeAndre Washington fit into that group? Yeah, I think you could play Washington. Uh, this is a much better matchup than last week. Tennessee, an actual tough rushing defense. Jacksonville, one of the very worst, and we saw that the volume was there. And you know Oakland for all that's going on there, like they're still playing, they're still fighting, they're still trying to put together a solid season. So I think you can definitely play Washington. 6,300 is not cheap, but I think if you compare that to other guys in a similar price range, you know, like Devonta Freeman, uh, plays like that, I think that he rates pretty favorably. Oakland, for their difficulties in the passing game, has been able to run the ball this season. And while Jacobs is a good talent, we saw last week that Washington was able to make it work with that line too. So I, yeah, I think Washington's a fine play. Uh, I think that Leonard Fournette is kind of you just can't do it in cash anymore. Not with all these other guys uh, on the Jacksonville side. Still want they still want to give him the ball. It wasn't totally there last week for him, but 
the game was just really got totally away from them very early. And it, the line at least suggested that could be the case again. We've been surprised by this kind of stuff before. And there is a, I, I believe there is a world where Leonard Fournette touches the ball 30 more times this week. And yep. I think that that is not likely, of course. And it's not completely out of the realm of possibility because I don't want to take one week's sort of down week in, in against the Chargers, who are also a good defense or decent defense, um, and just kind of transcribe that onto Oakland. So... I think they've shown their hand. They want to do this thing with Leonard Fournette, so I don't want to get. I don't want to have one week really influence. And I would. I just. I don't think I can roster it in cash because again, like his touches, he gets a lot of them, and they're so freaking ineffective right. that that's the other thing. That I'd just, rather just play Chris Carson, same price. That's what I mean. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll take Carson. And the uh, DJ Chark is week to week, and actually he might be trending toward playing. We talked briefly about DD Westbrook yesterday. Um, if Chark played, I just. I don't think I probably want any part of any of these guys. Um, not with the yeah, not just with the way the games are going. All right. Cleveland goes in and plays Arizona. Cleveland two-point home road favorites against the Cardinals. They Baker Mayfield, for some reason, is a very expensive quarterback. I get that they're get, playing Arizona, and we played him at uh, at Miami, but that was when it was a lot cheaper. And they just he just again they just aren't very good. I just don't really know what to say about Baker Mayfield at this point. He's just the, the Cleveland the Browns have been just a full train wreck. He was he last week he had twenty four passing attempts, eleven completions. Okay, <laughs> uh, he did he did rush the ball a couple of times. There was a note that Odell Beckham has been dealing with a sports hernia injury the whole season. That's the old um, why hasn't that been reported injury note because that's strictly against the league reporting. Seems significant. Yeah, like that's something the old I wouldn't have mind knowing. That, that. Were we supposed to mention that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. Now you know. So yeah. what are you going to sue us? And then like you know Nick Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. Um, they, they don't. I want to say they split carries because they are on the field a lot. Split t- snaps because they're on the field a lot together. Thirty nine and thirty five. I don't know. This it still game. cannibalizes Chubb's opportunity, though. The last two weeks, Chubb touched the ball 18 times against Pittsburgh, 16 times against Hunt Cincinnati. had a rushing touchdown. Yeah, you're not going to want to bother with this. Even though Chubb is still like on a talent level, excellent. You're not going to want to touch him for cash. Yeah, and so I don't think like I don't I don't really like much. Even though it's like not a it's a decent pace up matchup here against the Cardinals. I just still don't. I just can't trust the Browns. Like you yeah, just get, at this point, you just can't simply can't trust the Browns. And then you get Kyler Murray, who's also is just pretty damn ineffective. He had 30 passes last week for 20 yards. Uh, tough matchup. Wait, they, he had 30 passes for 20 yards? No, sorry. sorry 30 <laughs> passes for 20 completions. <laughs> okay. I, I missed that. that. And then Kenyon Drake touched the ball 11 times. They are getting David Johnson more sort of in the mix with 22 touches last week. I don't know. This this team, it just, it's kind of gone off the rails for Arizona. I don't think anyone was expecting it. I don't know if it was ever on the rails. Maybe that, that tie they had at the beginning of the season, people were excited. I'm still kind of interested in Christian Kirk at nine nine okay. targets. Eight, he had eight good, good conversion last week, but that's been sort of a problem for him. So he had eight, right. eight catches for 85 yards last week. If you think he trends himself to a double-digit target guy, yeah. he's really not all he's that very expensive. Cheap. Yeah, he's not all expensive. I think he was like 5,900 on draft or on FanDuel. It's, uh, let me just check. 6,100 on FanDuel against this defense is not something you mind seeing if you think he has double-digit targets in his world. And I think that's the case. You're not worried about weather here. So um, I think Kirk is an interesting guy, though. I don't know. I, we might just have a concentration around safer wide receivers, and that might be the cash game piece of that. All right, a couple more games to hit on here. Vikings go in and play the Chargers. Vikings are two and a half point road favorite favorites against LA. The only injury news here really is that Madison is question has not been practicing and is questionable. And the reason I say that is because if he weren't to play, I think we'd have to give take Dalvin because we were like we were hesitant about playing Dalvin Cook last week because of the injury information. 
led you to believe that the, he could be limited or he's playing through pain, and that's always like really, really scary. Still touched the ball 20 times. I was pretty bad on the touches he did get. Yeah, and so that's you don't like to see that. And then also, but if Madison were to sit, you have to say to yourself, well, that's it's going to all go to Cook because they have been in, in the past willing to kind of do that. So Yeah, Madison touched the ball 16 times last week. Yeah, so... This is one to just keep an eye on. I think it, 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 if he plays, I'm not. I'm not all that interested in anything here. And if he, this is Madison. If he, but if he sits, I think we'd have to have a conversation about where we want to apply the usage on, on specifically on Cook. Yeah, Minnesota's still fighting for their playoff lives as well. It's crazy, by the way, that some team with a losing record could come out of the NFC East, and one of these teams, like yeah. the Rams or Minnesota, is going to miss out on the playoffs. Like that's or Seattle even. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, we were talking about this with season long about like whether or not like this is like the more fun you know you play season long head to head because it offers like a slightly more fun way. Yeah, it keeps approach. everyone engaged. I'm just wondering if you think this is like, but the division thing is not the same. Like the if does the division thing tra- like is that the same idea? It keeps it more fun because like random teams are so kind of in it. And, like otherwise you'd know. Does that make sense? What I'm saying. Yeah, like, I think it keeps it more intriguing. Um, I think people care about that in football, right? Like there's. Like when the Bears and Packers play, like that's meaningful to people. Uh, when Miami and the Jets, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but like the, you know, like uh, being a Steelers fan, like you do get up for those games against Baltimore, you know, against right. Cincinnati when they were good in the past. Carson Palmer shot out there, uh, or Cleveland coming into the season potentially being good. So I think the divisions do make football more fun, and I could see a case for you know, even just like reseeding once you get to the playoffs somehow, like among both the divisions, I don't know. Or maybe there's some sort of exception where you have to be over 500 to make the playoffs. I think there are ways you could do it. But yeah, I think it's uh, ultimately these sports are an entertainment product. Like they're not saying we will determine the very best team to a 95, 95th percentile degree of certainty every year. They're saying, hey, we're going to have a fun tournament at the end of the season to see who wins, right? Because otherwise they would just say, Whoever has the biggest point differential just wins. Like they would have like the league system, like they do in the Premiership and right. you know places overseas where uh, people are totally satisfied and engaged and it's fun and exciting. But I don't think the NFL is ready for that. Char, uh, the only other injury note here from Minnesota is Adam Thielen did return to practice, so it looks like he's going to play this week, which would just ding the targets across the board on a team that not really volume passing anyway. And then on the Charger side. Melvin Gordon seemed interesting going into cash last week, and then he rushed the ball 12 times for 55 yards, and then Austin Eckler ran yeah. it for 8 for 101. So uh, I know that game was like a little weird scripting. They didn't have to throw the ball a ton. Keenan Allen led the team with six targets. Again, with these teams, if you think they get fall from behind, Keenan Allen as a double-digit target guy is a very interesting borderline cash game play. They just didn't need to throw the ball a lot yeah. last week, and those are always sometimes the hardest ones to evaluate. But if Keenan Allen does butt up against that cash game viability, for me, Rams go in two more games. Rams go in and play the Cowboys. We talked at length about Todd Gurley yesterday, and we talked at length about Dak Prescott as cash game plays. Gurley specifically on DraftKings is coming very cheap. Um, any other thoughts here on the Rams side? They, you know, we've seen huge Higby weeks um, with Gerald, and it doesn't look like Gerald Everett's going to practice again or play again this week. So I think that Higby. Is still viable. He had 11 targets last week. Robert Woods, after randomly getting scratched like th- two or three weeks ago, has been right back to just getting a lot of targets. Um, and then basically at the expense of Cooper Cup, who you wouldn't even remember Cooper Cup existed after the <laughs> beginning of this season when we're talking about like he's in the discussion of like most targets. He's guys, on pace. Yeah. That has fallen completely off a cliff. Yeah. So Cup, um, he only had four targets last week to Robert Woods' is nine. This is a game that could be a shootout. Um, 
like I said, we talked about Gurley and Prescott. Any other thoughts on either side of this game? Yeah, there's a good case for Woods as a cash game play this week, I think. You know, you compare his track record to some of these wide receivers that are even more expensive than he is, and I think he compares pretty favorably. I mean, he had 18 targets against yeah. Arizona, and the Rams, they're, they're serious right now. Like, after that Seattle game, they have a credible shot at cracking back into the playoffs, and I don't think they're a team anyone really wants to face right now. Uh, going up against Dallas, obviously both sides are pretty incentivized to win this game uh and this is like the game of the week maybe like yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty exciting contest yeah this is like must view like this is this game has this is a huge leverage game for and i can't i can't recall if you said this on the podcast or if we just said it privately but dallas with their 67 point yeah and that points like that's that's really good. That's yeah, they've been super bad at this. They, you know? they, yeah this this is the only team if i said it yesterday or i can't they're the only team there's two teams with positive point differentials that have losing records. It's them and Indianapolis, and they're Indianapolis is plus one. Dallas is plus sixty-seven. They should yeah. not be six and seven. This is a much better team than a six and seven record, just from a point differential piece. And they've lost some weird close games, and they've blown some other teams out. And I know this is all weird, and this goes week to week, so I get that piece of it. And you just simply don't see that a yeah. bad team. That's unlucky as well. Yeah, through thirteen games, you cannot be a bad team that outscores your opponents by sixty. Well, then they lost on that tripping play against the Patriots. Right. Like there's a, a reasonable scenario where they're the ten and three team, and Green Bay is the six and seven team. But fun with numbers: Dallas six and seven. 267 points against, net points, 67. A lot of sixes and sevens. Let's go. <laughs> the, now, by the way, Rams being a one-point uh, road favorite here suggests that they th- – this is weird. This is, a, this is an interesting Vegas thing because they Dallas started at minus three at home, which mm. is basically saying a pick them because it, with the home bump, and then it just swings a full four points back the other way in terms for the Rams, where the Rams yeah. are now one-point favorite. I find this very interesting. I, I like the Dallas side. So do I. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of like the Dallas side, too. I think that's I think so weird. I don't think I've swung. ever bet Dallas my entire life because of the public nature of the team, but the hate, it really is. Like, the public hate against them, I think, is so profound right now. I could be. I think the people view them as worse than they are. Yeah. I, this is just not a team that I don't I don't think is bad. Okay. It, like I said, if you get if this is a GBP game all the way across the board in the sense that if this game gets into a shootout, there's uh, not unlimited. There's massive upside on basically every guy in this game that is a relevant guy. And I'm so I'm, I'm going to throw them all in their one blanket here. Cooper, uh Gallup Cooper, um we said Dak, even Zeke if they find something here on the ground and the targets have kind of been there if the effectiveness hasn't there's a lot of upside on a week where Zeke, I do not think because of the existence of these other running backs, is going to have a lot of ownership. And this is a guy that can score you a lot of points in this matchup. On the flip side, we talked about Gurley as a cash play. You mentioned Woods. Higby's there with big upside. If you think this is a Cooper Cup resurgence week, I don't personally see it, but he's had double... The guy has... You'll get him a low ownership. Is, exactly. He's, we've, they've had time to be able to find stuff with Cup, and we've seen him get as many targets as anyone in the game. If something's working, it just hasn't been there. The last couple weeks. So, yep, yeah, this is like sort of appointment television for a football fan. If you're listening to this podcast, I very much suspect you'll be watching this game. Final game, Falcons go in and play the Niners. Niners 11.5 point home favorites. They come off of the game against the Saints where, look, the game, that was that was an unbelievable, crazy game to watch just in terms of like who was kind of scoring and what was sort of happening in the game. And I don't think it gives us really any clarity around the San Francisco side in terms of just overall production. Rossi, Mosser, 10 attempts. Breida, 6. Coleman, 3. You can't touch the running game. You, you can't touch. And then, and then on the passing side, I just don't know for their prices if we've seen enough out of these guys. Sanders did have 9 targets. Kittle had 8. But this is the game where they had to keep their foot on the gas right. the entire they, time. They probably threw 60% more than right. they will in a normal game script either. Um, so Kittle, I mean, Kittle's always going to be there as probably 
in the conversation is the highest upside tight end on a week-to-week basis, especially now that he's healthy. Uh, Sanders, we don't know, like, as he gains more comfort uh, with Garoppolo, like, he could turn back into, like, it wasn't long ago that Sanders was an $8,000 wide receiver, and it's been a lot of crappy quarterbacks since then. <laughs> so if, if the talent is still there on him, you know, he's much older now, but if the talent is still there, and it sure seemed to be against New Orleans, uh, he's a very interesting guy going forward. Do you need to stick your neck out at, at around 8000 or I'm sorry, 7000 for cash? I don't think so, but I could see people making that call. And then the other, the big piece for the Atlanta side is Calvin Ridley is out for the year. Now, when you see Calvin Ridley out for the year, my, I, this is, I saw this note come through, and I'm like, well, now we're just going to be stacking Julio Jones and Austin Hooper like in this passing game, mm. this is, or, or Russell Gage, or we're going to like we're going to be really looking at it. And this almost yeah, in the same, almost in the same way that we thought to talk about Mike Evans, right? It was like Ridley's not all that dissimilar in terms of like what his target share had been over the last few weeks, sure. and I just don't know if this is the defense we can run them into. Like, going on the road against the San Francisco defense, which is very good, I I thought this was going to be a lock Julio Jones cash week, and at yeah, least right now matchup. in the matchup. But it just and our numbers are not saying that it is, although it's close. Like, he's not all that 7,500 on FanDuel. I think people will go there. I hmm. um, And he's just like, he's just not the Julio Jones of old. Like, I don't really know another way to put it. Like, his numbers just aren't. I, like, you know, Julio Jones at 7,500, no Calvin Ridley, or Julian Edelman at 77 in a game that could get away from him. Ooh, uh, I think I'll take Edelman. I think it's pretty close, though. Uh, you seem to feel pretty definitive about it. No, I don't, actually, because of the way I just phrased it, I thought. <laughs> when I, when I like after the words came out of your mouth, you were like, hmm. Well, when I, when I added in the part about the game could get away from him, that was the part that kind of... Yeah, it's the same price. He's actually uh, Jones a hundred dollars cheaper on, on drafting. Here are some guys that have outscored Julio Jones for fantasy. Uh, I, I know this year. it's going to be a lot. <laughs> John yeah, Brown, yeah. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Calvin Ridley, <laughs> you know, Cooper Cup, DJ wrong. Shark. Like the, there's a long list of guys that have outscored him. Jarvis Landry. Gage um, at five thousand is interesting. I think he has like he we saw when Julio was out. That Gage did get, he's had a ten and nine target game under his belt already this yeah. season. So bad wide receiver season, by the way. Just uh, this is like a, miraculous to me as we're zooming back in on the season. Godwin and Evans two and three in the league. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Galladay fourth in fa- wide receiver I'm, fantasy I'm, scoring. That's, that's got to be non. That. That, I think our. I think you're looking non-PPR. at our page non PPR. Yeah, because yeah, Galladay so, only has fifty three receptions. But, but it's it's the ten um, touchdowns. So that's like that scoring is a little but bit more touchdown. Nonetheless, it's it's a yeah. slightly more touchdown dependent. But you could give everyone else a half extra point uh, for Fanduel scoring, and it wouldn't change it too dramatically. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a weird season. All right, we're gonna get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site dfsr.com slash deals is going to get you started on the projection system that we've been mentioning this whole entire podcast free for seven days just $29.95 a month after that you're not going to find a better deal considering it's optimized for FanDuel and DraftKings it's NBA lineups it's NHL it's members only chat Go and find a better deal. James is staring at me, trying to throw me off the read. It's not going to happen. I'm locked. It already did. No, I didn't. I'm locked. I'm just commenting so everyone knows, but I'm absolutely and completely locked in here. DFSR.com slash deals. Go check them out. We'll be around all day on Sunday talking football with our members, uh, especially leading up into lock, but we're there every single night with basketball as well. So go check it out, DFSR.com. We'll be back next week, wrapping up week 15 and looking ahead. Enjoy. Oh, he's playing the, he's playing the Mark Ritzer video. <laughs> Enjoy your week in football.